Hi, we are Rini and Rebecca from the Euromarine Network. This is our Researchers in the Spotlight podcast, where we meet up with expert marine researchers from our network to hear their stories. To showcase their insights and highlight their groundbreaking achievements in the various special, rare and novel areas of marine science. Welcome back to our podcast of the Researchers in the Spotlight. Today, we welcome Alberto Barusse and Camila Spuati to our podcast. So good morning, Alberto and Camila. Thanks for joining. Good Hello. morning. Hello. Thank you for inviting us. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to have you both on the podcast today. So now before we dive into our research, let me first introduce you. Alberto, you are an associate professor of ecology at the University of Padova, and your research focus is on integrated and sustainable management of coastal zones, combining tools such as modeling, field monitoring, lab experiments, stakeholder participation, and also local ecological knowledge. And for Euromarine, you led the Remses Foresight Workshop together with Camila, here with us today as well, who is an ecologist specialized in marine populations and community dynamics, and also currently a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Padua. Is that correct? That's perfect. That's brilliant. It's great to have you both here. And today we are here to talk specifically about the Remses Foresight Workshop you led, which uh, focused on researching the resilience of marine socio-ecological systems and especially working on methods to assess resilience in different marine ecosystems. Um, so before we go into the nitty-gritty details of your research, um, could you maybe briefly explain what the term resilience means in the context of marine socio-ecological systems and give a brief introduction of the objectives of your foresight workshop? Uh, yes, okay. Um, okay, so basically um, resilience is actually one of these uh, like um, very recently rediscovered terminology. Um, and uh, in ecology in particular, it has many definitions, but the definition that we usually use is that a, a resilient system is a system that is able to maintain the same structure and function, even if it is perturbed by external uh, um, stressors or impact. Um, so basically, the concept of resilience, uh, at least this definition, is uh, tightly linked with the idea of uh, uh, tipping points and alternative stable state, so that... Um, when a system like uh, a population or an ecosystem is perturbed by uh, yeah, stressors, it will maintain the same, uh, yeah, the same structure and not switching into a new configuration. For instance, if a coral reef is perturbed, it will remain a coral reef and not switch into algae bed or other type of uh, structure. So this is uh, the main uh, um, definition uh, of resilience. And uh, uh, yeah, the workshop uh, aimed at uh, um, like uh, um, bring together different uh, uh, expertise of resilience in different type of uh, organizational level of the social ecological system. So from organism to the social uh, the social side of the social ecological system. And uh, the main objective were to um, find uh, which methodologies were used by the different uh, uh, researchers, so in different fields, uh, and uh, try to kind of uh, bridge these methodologies together to 
to manage to define resilience and uh, investigate resilience in a social ecological system and also to uh, reconcile some problems of this uh, framework, for instance, the problem of different uh, organizational scales or spatial and temporal variability and things like that. I don't know if Alberto wants to add something. No, that was perfect. Uh, but yeah, uh, resilience is a concept that's used in many disciplines. Like Camilla was saying, people studying organisms, uh, processes at the individual level, communities, social ecological systems, ecosystems. And that, of course, creates from fragmentation of knowledge. So different languages of people studying very much related things. So these sort of workshops are very useful because you put all the people coming from different backgrounds in a room and you make them discuss. And that's very uh, fun and productive. That's great to hear that it was uh, fun and productive. And yes, that's indeed, um, it's it's very um, it's a very good approach to bring everyone together and um, and try to find like um, yeah a common ground and common definitions. So, what were the main outcomes or key findings that emerged from this foresight workshops, and how did these outcomes maybe provide new insights into the advancement of your of your research topic? So, for instance, in terms of new methodologies or emerging issues that were previously overlooked. Well, I think um, one of the first things that we tried to agree on was the definition of resilience. And uh, so we agreed uh, that it's a very, it's an evolving concept, but uh, that to study resilience is necessary to start with uh, like three important questions to really say, okay, what is what resilience are we studying to? To what? To what ecosystem or community or population? From what? So from which drivers and for who? So for the people or for the ecosystem, because this is like, yeah, if it change, if one of these questions change, it changed kind of what you measure or how you measure it. Then uh, the second most important thing, I think, is that we um, managed to kind of summarize the methods that are available or um, that were mostly used also by the people that participate into three big uh, categories. And uh, basically each of these methods are a bit complementary with each other. So there are methods that estimates resilience, like try to give a number to it, method that estimates the attribute of a resilient ecosystems so, or populations, and methods that try to understand the mechanism of uh, resilience. So basically these were three big categories and we try to populate them with different methods and uh, try to kind of, now we are trying to, design a how like kind of a example case study how to apply them in a good way to try to define resilience and then uh, the other things that was that we tried to look into um, policy in particular the European policy and we tried to see whether the resilience concept was um, really oper oper operationalized in the policy and um, and basically we try to understand how to how we could better oper operationalize it or why it is not um, operationalized. I think maybe this one. Yeah, I... maybe there's a third one, which is, um, I mean, um, more broad. That is, the, um, I mean, putting people in the same place then led to the creation of a course of a network. Yeah, sure. Uh, of people from all of, all over across Europe 
looking at resilience from different perspectives, including many early career researchers. And now we're planning to, we're writing papers together. We are thinking about further studies, further collaborations, um, applications for funding. So that was a broader, of course, but still very important yeah. result of this workshop. Thank you for your answer. This is seems super, super interesting. And especially this part also of uh, getting the people together and create this network to, to, to work together. I think that is really useful. And um, taking a little bit of the main aim of this workshop that I understood that is measuring this resilience in different levels of organization. I was wondering if you find a differences in the difficulty of measuring resilience at different hierarchical levels. For instance, is different is different or more difficult to measure resilience in the in the at a level of organism or at a level of the full social ecological system. I think that for sure in um, in one difficulty uh, we found that working at the sociological level uh, is uh, difficult, but I suspect that's because our uh, um, participation was a little biased, meaning that there were more ecologists than people looking at the social economic uh, system. And, and also there has been probably a longer tradition of studying resilience in ecology than in social ecological systems, which is a kind of a relatively recent concept. Um, so that's my perception. But I would say that every organizational level has its own complexities, of course. Yeah. I don't know what you think, Camila. Yeah, I think the same. Also, I think we, we saw that the approach is, uh, I mean, if we start from organism, the approaches might be quite different because we we had some, we had uh, one or two researchers specialized in organism and uh, maybe they there are more like experimental also approaches that you could also do in population or or also ecosystem but it's uh, probably easier to do them in organism and then as the, as you go on with complexity maybe you use more field approach or ecological modeling and also the workshop was a bit skewed towards uh, modelers um, but there were also some people doing more field works and um, yeah and also there we saw quite some differences in the approaches that you could use and also in the kind of philosophy that uh, that you follow um, so that was also yeah that is also something that we saw from the workshop I think just following up from that question, I think what might be interesting for our listeners as well, because I'm not sure that everyone is aware of it, is um, what exactly are social ecological systems? Because you mentioned that it's quite a new um, approach. Yeah. So, um, of course, many of our listeners may be familiar with the ecosystem concept that is the system made up by living organisms and the non-living environment they uh, live in. And of course, organisms and the environment interact, meaning that organisms are affected by the environment and the environment is affected by organism. And so this is a system. Of course, humans have their own system, which is uh, societies and economies, and that's the socioeconomic system. We are all very familiar with that, of course, because we are a part of it. But we don't realize that, uh, usually we don't realize that ecosystem and socioeconomic systems are linked. 
because, for example, human impacts on ecosystem, uh, and that's one effect of uh, human system on ecosystem, but also it goes the other way. For example, the benefits that nature provides us with the so-called ecosystem services. And so you have effects from one system to another. You have feedbacks, you have all sorts of interaction. And so it's correct also to speak of social ecological system, the set of human system and ecological system which are interrelated. Ah uh, yeah, that that explains it very well. Thanks for this um for this brief introduction. I think that um explains the concept a little bit better to our listeners as well. Um and a following up on the foresight workshop that you led, did you publish any peer-reviewed articles or any other form of scientific publications based on the uh, workshop already, or is that something that's still coming up? Uh, yeah, it is something that we are still working on because the workshop was just uh, in November, so we need a bit uh, yeah, more time, but I mean, the idea is will be to try to publish uh, two, uh, at least two, two scientific papers uh, from it. Uh, yeah, so hopefully this year. That yeah. sounds very exciting. We're looking, we're looking forward to seeing it. Um, and Aside from, from the peer-reviewed papers, um, have you any maybe yeah, follow-up actions that are coming up, such as um, new funding that you are looking into or subsequent projects out of this that, that might come out of this foresight workshop um, coming up? Or is that something that you might think about? Well, first of all, uh, one idea that came out of this workshop is that we sh should really do a, a, an inter-system comparison because there are systems, I mean, marine systems across Europe, which are very data rich and that are somehow similar, like the Adriatic Sea, which is the ecosystem that Camilla and I work mostly on because it's uh, landlocked basin uh, in Italy, Croatia, Slovenia, and the Baltic Sea, which is in Northern Europe. So there have been, of course, a lot of researches about the systems, but not so many comparison to my knowledge. Uh, and so we, we're going to do that. And of course, that will create room for also for um, funnies, which we're thinking about. Uh, but yeah. But we still have discussed. Uh, yeah, we still have a little bit to discuss. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the idea of creating this, uh, as Alberto's mentioned before, this network of uh, science, like scientists, expert in uh, resilience, is also to try to, uh, yeah, apply for fundings or develop more ideas in a as a group of uh, European researchers. So, so definitely, we will try to do that. That's really, really nice. And we are looking forward to see all the contributions that you you are planning to to, to have. And I want to, to, to ask you about, um, so I understand that the, the measures that you kind of um, investigated in that in that workshop or, or these estimations of resilience uh, in the in the marine ecosystem, uh, they have a little bit of um, the aim of provide these measures to to policymakers and to managers, if I understood correctly. Um, I think that this is a really interesting point, and I wanted to ask you, first of all, if you could have the chance of presenting uh, your research findings of the findings of this workshop, for example, to policymakers or to other stakeholders in the marine science community. So, um, uh, 
I would say that one of the main outputs of this workshop, at least to me, was that resilience is very much relevant to conservation and management of marine uh, ecosystems, but it's not really uh, op operational at the moment in our policies. And there are, I mean, um, several reasons for this from, I would say, the, the technical reasons to the, to the policy reasons. And so I think it would be it would be very, very interesting to discuss with policymakers why they would need to include resilience thinking in, I mean, the next framings of our policies or, or in their decision making. Uh, but as you can see from what I was telling, we're still very in, in, in the early stages of developing this relationship between policy and resilience. So uh, yeah, we're, we're actually writing a paper on that because uh, that's really a lot to do be before I think putting resilience clearly into management. Uh, I mean, we're still discussing about the definitions of resilience and how to measure it. So, so you need to be very clear in these concepts before making them operational. Otherwise, you just create further confusion, I guess. Nice. Thank you very much. Because I was also thinking about the difficulties on engaging with managers and stakeholders. And I was thinking about uh, if you had uh, or, or you could have any advice uh, for, for do this uh, an effective engagement with them. Uh, maybe you have experience on that and you could tell us a little bit of an advice mm -hmm. on how better engage with them. I mean, uh, I work, personally, I work quite a lot with decision makers and the advice that came out of the workshop is very much similar to what is based on my experience. That is, uh, you have to go and, I mean, meaning us, scientists we have to go and talk to the policymakers because it won't happen the, the other way and 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 i think we need and this is my opinion i think we need to start from practical uh cases for example in my research a very important argument to discuss with decision makers about the importance of uh, resilience thinking is that ecosystem I mean, natural conservation can also be a source of benefits such as local jobs, which is something that all politicians in the world understand and value. And when you try to find a common language, uh, then that's easier. This sort of process comes easier, but it, it has to start, I think, from the scientists. The burden of proof is upon us. Yeah, that's a good, that's a very good tip already. I think um, that's, that's brilliant advice. I think that's something that a lot of researchers struggle with is how to, um, how to integrate policymakers and how to communicate with them. And it's not easy because it's often said that uh, researchers speak totally different languages from compared to policymakers. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a very good tip. Um, and looking back, how would you assess the overall impact of the Foresight Workshop on your research and career? So did it, for instance, open up new opportunities or enhance your visibility or lead to any further collaborations uh, beyond this workshop? 
um, yeah, well, I think uh, the workshop had a great impact uh, on our current research and uh, career because, uh, yeah, it gave us the opportunity to to meet and talk with uh, a lot of other researchers. And so, I mean, we know that uh, science is often also like collaborations and uh, discussing ideas. And so this workshop really helped us to yeah, to find um, scientists that work on similar topic than we do and uh, possibly starting new collaborations and uh, developing new research uh, and uh, yeah, new interesting path also of our own research uh, in the future. So I think uh, for us was a really nice opportunity. It was also a nice opportunity to um, yeah, to, to show a uh, researcher from Europe, the University of Padova, and in particular Chioggia, so the um, the city where we did the workshop, which is like the marine biology seat of the University of Padova. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, the workshop was great for us and um, was a great way to to enhance our research and collaborations. I don't know if Alberto has to add something. Yeah, I totally but... agree with Camilla. <laughs> Um, of course, we do a lot of local research on the Venice Lagoon, on the Adriatic Sea, and it, we are not theoretical ecologists. I mean, not just that, but also we work on management. And when you do that, of course, you start from local case studies. And there is a risk connected with that that's being too local. So it's a huge value for us to be able to bring people from all over Europe, because there were people from Germany, from Spain, from France, from Greece, from Sweden, from Sweden, Denmark, to Italy, and, uh, and exchange ideas. They get to know our field station in Chioggia, and also for uh, early career researchers, such as PhD students, uh, postdoctoral fellows, it's really important to see all that people coming in the place where they work on a daily basis and discuss. It's really something I would recommend to the all, uh, to the larger Euromarine Network to organize such a thing in their own uh, places. This seems so, so uh, nice because like the, the, it's great to see that this kind of workshop have a, such a, or enhance such nice collaborations and also are helpful for uh, early career researchers. I'm an early career researcher, so I really value this kind of, this kind of initiatives. And I wanted to, to ask you, uh, maybe one of the last questions of the interview, uh, what advice or suggestions would you give to future uh, forest site workshops, this in terms of maximizing the benefits and outcomes of the workshop? Well, we, um, well one uh, advice, uh, which I think is pretty obvious, is to try uh, to cover, I mean, different expertises, especially if you organize, of course, a workshop which aims to be transdisciplinary, and also to have a good geographical coverage, which is less obvious, but very important because people in Northern Europe, for example, think slightly differently than in Southern Europe, although they face similar problems. And so it's important also to bring people from all over Europe to, to, to get and exchange ideas. That's one thing for sure. 
And the second one, perhaps leave, don't be too strict in defining the program of your workshop because it will be messed up. And so leave a lot of space for discussion, which is the fun part of this kind of events. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. Also, yeah, for the discussion part, we also find that um, sometimes working in smaller group uh, was really helpful because it could, uh, like, it could help uh, also maybe uh, everyone to talk because sometimes uh, maybe early career scientists or some people in general are uh, more shy compared to to other people, so they always feel like uh, that maybe they don't want to talk uh, if there are too many people listening. So dividing in small groups uh, helped a lot, uh, like the participation of everyone from the workshop and uh, yeah, also enhance a bit the discussion, uh, make it more dynamic. Yeah, and also um, it, it also easier I mean, less tiring than a, a whole day of a plenary discussion, which can yeah. be uh, literally tiring if the workshop lasts four days, as in our case. So those sort of breakup sessions are very useful also to, to make the atmosphere more relaxed. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant tips. Um, staying flexible and small groups. Um, I think that's that's very valuable advice for um, for anyone who's planning a workshop in the future. Uh, so thanks a million for that. And that brings us to the end of the interview already. Um, Alberto and Camilla, it's amazing insights and we look uh, forward to seeing further developments in the field. Um, and what I found a very good takeaway, especially is this approach of bringing people together from across Europe, which led to this amazing network that you now have um, with people from various different countries who look at um, resilience from very different perspectives also. So that's um, that's very exciting. And and yeah, we're definitely looking forward to um, the outcomes of this research. And obviously it's, it's not only critical for assessing the resilience in different marine ecosystems, but also in general for finding new ways to incorporate those resilience metrics into conservation and management. So yeah, thanks again for, for your very interesting insights and for being with us today and to all our listeners thank you so much for listening in again and we would actually love to hear from you as listeners what topics would you like to cover with us next in in this podcast 